0: Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandland, Catherine Linquist, and John Christian. How's everybody doing?
1: Hello, hello, hello. Oh, good. Doing good. Doing good. Hey, hey. hey.
0: Good, hey. Uh, we're hanging in there, settling in for a regular episode. One very rarity uh, at this point. Um, love all our guests. They're super awesome. We're getting to chat with some cool, cool cats. Uh, but now we get to chat with each other, and that's always exciting, too. E- oh, boy. All right. So we have <laughs> um, we have a less chaotic episode for you today. We've got some dessert to get through ahead of time, several things there. And then we're going to dive straight into our topic of uh, this evening, which is overinvestment in your game. Uh, we... All have something to say on that. There's a lot to be said, and it's kind of the opposite problem of what we usually experience, which is underinvestment at the table. Um, I'm so, playing Candy Crush. Leave me alone. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, that one that one hit hard. Um, <laughs> so let's let's dive in real quick and uh, cover our news announcements. We got several things today. John and I both have a couple, and then uh, Troy is walking in with one. So, let's see. John, uh, you have two. Let's hear about those.
1: I do. Yeah, so I've got one that's big and i got one that's small when it comes to news. Uh, they got two Kickstarters. Uh, the big one is Wormwood. Uh, they've gone from making really awesome dice and accessories and stuff like that to dipping their toe into the gaming table uh, marketplace. Uh, it is – they're beautiful. Uh, it, the the one that they, it's more like a coffee table. Yeah. Uh, they've got different um, uh, different sizes, small, medium, large, but uh, and then different kinds of wood and grains and stains that they they use for it. So, in typical fashion, the it's uh, masterfully put together. But you're going to pay the you're going to pay the price for it for sure. Um, we'll put those in the show notes, obviously. But there's a lot of really really neat little uh, additions that they've they've thrown in there to make. Gaming around that table uh, a lot simpler, and a lot easier. Uh, as of this recording, at least they've they've almost hit seven million dollars, so they're pretty much going to get uh, they're they're going to get kickstarted. I think. I think um, they, they think yeah, they're successful. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's seven. That's seven million from <laughs> 7100 7, ish uh, backers too. Yeah. And as of this recording, they still have almost sixty days to go, which is just a mind bogglingly long Kickstarter campaign, oh my but. Gosh. Uh,
0: it's yeah, really pretty, a pre order. Cool. Like Wormwood is one of those companies that designs it not around building hype and expanding a product line. Well, I mean they're expanding product line, but building hype and offering stretch goals and trying to make a product even bigger. And they're really just saying, We got a new product and Kickstarter is our way of announcing it, showcasing yep. it and offering pre orders. So
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're that's a good point. You're not gonna actually pay for the table. So don't don't get uh, don't uh, don't think that you're going to get away with a $300 bill <clears throat> for a uh, for a really sweet table.
2: Yeah.
1: When you look at those those pledge uh, <laughs> pledge amounts yeah, that's hard uh, to that's just it's just that's just the 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 first the first installment so yeah. to speak. So you're
0: going to pay I, based off what I was looking at like you should come to the site prepared to spend 1500 bucks.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. And this of course it is heirloom quality. So this is something that will pass on to our children and their children's children to game yes yeah, yes. it's uh but no look it, it, uh, I think <laughs> the main reason why I even bring it up is because it's kind of the elephant in the room and it, it if we weren't to say anything about it then it's it's like we were doing it intentionally to not say nothing about it um, but they they're gorgeous I don't really have a problem with it it's just oh, yeah. vastly outside of the realm of my uh my pocket pocketbook oh, and it probably always so. will be.
0: Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. I th- I think at this
3: point, I mean, if I'm going to spend this <laughs> much money for a gaming table, I'm not leaving it to anybody. I want to be buried in the
4: damn
1: thing. <laughs> it, it, that's right. That's actually that – Deconstruct this
4: table and make it my coffin.
1: That is a brilliant <laughs> – no, it it should – no, all it should need is like all the pegs are there and like the dovetail joints and stuff like that. It should be able to convert into a coffin that you can be buried in it with. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's brilliant.
4: Did you guys see so the wormwood? bookshelf that turns into a coffin? Sorry, no. Off topic. I
1: was just gonna say, Wormwood.
3: When 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 you hear this podcast and you take this idea, I I want a ten percent cut.
1: That's right. I want my <laughs> cut too. Yep, <laughs> claimed it, stamp it. <laughs> now uh, now the other the other that I saw is uh, is still is on Kickstarter. And as of this the this recording and when this is released, there'll still be some time left to get in on it. I'm actually gonna go ahead and uh, it's something I I definitely backed. Uh, it's not. Um, it, you're, it's a pretty, it's a good invest, investment. You're going to spend between thirty five to seventy five dollars on it, but uh, it's called uh, Moon and Stars, which is a handmade strategy board game. I think the thing that I love the most about this is that it, it is it's handmade. A, so every single one is going to be a little bit different than the other in regards to all the pieces because every single one is it's following the same process, but there's some human, you know interaction with it that's going to make it just a little bit different with the physicality of the, the board game the board game it, it, but it, what I love about it is it feels like something that my players would play at the table uh, if they were playing in D&D like that or their characters would be playing this it looks oh cool it's, it, yeah, it looks it looks great um, it, again it's very simple it looks handmade it looks like it was something that was either carved by, by of stone or poor snippet or something like that um, it looks like some craftsman in it's of heirloom quality. Reels. It is of heirloom <laughs> quality, exactly, and it is also handmade. So take that, Wormwood.
2: <laughs> no, no <laughs> offense.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but it really is. It's it is really really cool. I the uh, the basic uh, premise behind it feels like almost like chess. It's very chess like in that uh, in the way that it plays out. But again, it's, this is something that I would love to teach my players and use as an atmosphere building. Uh, uh, accessory yep. to Dungeons & Dragons. This is like, we, now we have we have Moon and Stars, or we've got Three Dragon Ante, or Dragon Chess, or whatever else, right? Uh, so there, there are these little things that you can drop into your game and kind of have a mini-game that takes a break from the actual D&D stuff in, in the middle of a, a session. It's pretty neat.
0: You know, I I never had a part in this, but I remember uh, playing with a group, my original group, talked about uh, in the middle of their D and D session, if they were meeting with like a sphinx or something, at one point, they, the DM broke out the Scrabble board and forced them to play oh, a game fun. of Scrabble for the e- <laughs> well. Oh, sure, uh, I mean, I think the statement that I heard at <laughs> sure, that point sure. was. I came here to play D anD D, not to play Scrabble. <laughs> uh, I think this game is a little bit different. Like, I mean, it's cool. It's cool, and it, you're right. It it has a um, a flavor that feels like in game yeah. in some ways. Uh, yeah, they,
1: they, that's the thing I appreciate the most. You're right, right? The, you don't want to sit down and play Yahtzee with your with your players. <laughs> that's not D anD D, right? That's this fair. feels this that's feels fair. like something that would be sitting at a table in an inn with yep. you know. Yep. Two two old veteran uh, characters or NPCs that are and they invite you over to play or for a friendly game that goes horribly wrong. Prob- probably, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this could even be its own story. You know, a story could develop from from the play. Oh, yeah. It's just neat, and I, the gameplay again is pretty simple and uh, and pretty compelling. And I think it's the idea that every single one of the every single one of these is handmade mm-hmm. in this guy's workshop is really really cool. I like so. it.
0: Yep. Cool. Nice. Uh Catherine, you've got a uh, Dice Tower to talk about.
4: Yeah. Uh so um a couple of weeks ago we had on Got um mm-hmm. for a really fun interview. Um he has just launched this product on his store it's the first the first product of probably many um but it is so the store is roaming player gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, it's really nice wood dice tower, but what, what sets this one as, as different is that, um, it can come completely apart, um, and be stored in like a pencil box sort of shape. Um, mm-hmm. and you can just pull it out and get it all set up in like a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. uh, with the magnets that are, um, placed all within it so um you can it's very easily like you know the whole the whole aspect of roaming player gear being like you can pack it up and take it with you really easily um and then set it up really fast um so it it looks looks very polished and nice um but mostly it is um easy traveling and um oh it has a little dice tray in there too uh, and then my my personal favorite is actually the little commemorative um coin that mm. they have on there because it features an NPC that um is kind of like his it's kind of his brand but also was a significant NPC on his server. So that's super fun. Um but but yeah. So roaming player gears magnetic dice tower. That's is what cool. I'm hyping today. Yeah. Awesome.
0: All right. Uh Troy, we got uh, yes, we got another Kickstarter. We're just going to be Kickstarter happy today. Yes, Kickstarter happy. <laughs>
3: uh, I grew up on Choose Your Own Adventure books, mm-hmm. and uh, those, along with uh, the fighting game books from from uh, Steve Jackson, the the Lone Wolf series, all that stuff. Uh, so I really dig the solo adventure, and we have Into the Unknown a solo adventure from Paysetter games for fifth edition, um, on Kickstarter. Mm. And, uh, has it has definitely funded already, but there is, as of this recording, 29 days left in it. Um, and this is for fifth edition, uh, basic and expert, the, the old, uh, box sets or even, uh, swords and swords and wizardry. Mm. If you want to use those rules for it. Um, but yeah, it, the, the premise is you, you have just graduated from an adventuring school and it is, it, you're heading off on your first adventure. So it's, it's for low level in case you can't get your group together. Um, you can, uh, plop down and, and, uh, play this and, uh, level up a character, maybe try out, uh, a new build that you've been thinking about want to see how it plays. Um. So I am all about these solo adventures. I think they're pretty cool. And I love the fact that, you know, on uh, DMs Guild and stuff, you can find different solo adventures by people. There's different... Uh, the solo adventure, like, handbook or workbook or whatever that has different uh, charts and things that you can roll on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty... And the artwork in this looks pretty cool. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I'm looking at one. You're floating down. It looks like you're in a river city. In uh, the stores are like in the in the rocks along the side and the trees and stuff. It it, it just nice. has a really cool feeling to it. Hmm. So I am I am definitely looking forward to something like this.
1: Yeah, I like the I like solo adventures. I think it's yeah. good, I think it's good for I think it's good for the hobby. There are a lot of people that are intimidated, but from you know sitting down with six or other five or six other people and they just want to. Or that, either that, or they kind of want to cut their teeth on something, learn the learn the system before they play. And so, I think this is a, a really good buy-in for them and a good opportunity. Yes, for them. and it looks great too.
0: Yeah. and Paysetter Games has done several Kickstarters in the past, so um, I I don't think I've ever picked up any of their product, but um, um, they are somebody who has a successful track record. So
2: yeah, cool.
3: it definitely looks pretty well, solid. I so.
4: can't buy, I can't back this right now. But I'm definitely gonna reserve it so that I can back yeah. it. I
3: mean, the, the, the nice thing is, like, you know,
4: <laughs> this is cool. Uh,
3: you get the PDF for you know 15 bucks, so that's not bad at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. True.
0: Cool. All right, so I'm gonna cost you awesome. guys some more money here. Get ready. Oh, here we go. <laughs> all right, so uh, a friend of ours, um, brought this to my attention this week. And uh, it's a new release on the DMs Guild. It's called Intimobia. And it is 5th edition compatible. Uh, It uses 99% of the rules of 5th edition. But instead of playing as humans and furbolgs and tieflings and all that, you play as bugs. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. It is the first release of a company called Plush Pangolin Creations. Um, the PDF is something that uh, I've already picked up. Uh, it's the only way you can get it right now is through a PDF. But I've already picked it up, and I read through it the other night. And I was thoroughly impressed, I'm going to say. Um, I had a blast reading it. It was weird. Um, but it also, there were there were bits and pieces of it um that made an amount of sense um and it had just the right amount of weirdness like it didn't take itself too seriously that i was uh fully sold now here's where i will sell you all on it because um i'll tell you exactly where i did first off there's like eight races different types of races you can play as a fly you can play as a beetle all sorts of things um But it has its own monsters in it, which are a whole bunch of great things. Like um, bluegill, are a monster in this uh, adventure—a huge monster. Everything is scaled down, so like instead of a five-foot square, it's a one-inch square, which is exactly what you're playing on, anyways. (laughs) Right? It's all perfect (laughs) that way. Um, Awesome. So there are um, there's monstrous races, of course, um, like spiders and things. There's a little setting, but here's here's where it sold me. All right, Um, they kind of break down how each of the classes should work. So they're like, hey, when you play a druid, these are what you're going to wild shape into instead of a panther. You're going to wild shape early on to like a gnat or a mite or a centipede or something like that. But when you play a warlock, they have... Each patron has a correlating creature that is now tied to it, right? So you grab the warlock from from 5e uh and if you're playing uh the raven queen as a really simple one uh your patron is a crow or a blue jay um if you have the uh lurker in the deep patron then your patron is a fish or a newt or a salamander (laughs) but the one that sold me as like ah so this is what i want if you are an archfey your patron is a possum (laughs) yes (laughs)
4: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and uh, undying is a turtle. The noble genie is the raccoon. It's just, it just, it's someone who knows exactly what they're making. And I could see this being a great time as like a one shot or a limited series where y'all just sit down, roll up a bug, um, and uh go raid uh, the enemy ant hive or something. Wonderful. Uh, and it would be awesome. So that's uh Intimobia on the DMs Guild.
1: This sounds like the entire party got polymorphed by some really strong wizard. Yep. And then exactly that's what I thinking. You could definitely right? do that. Right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, I love that. It's 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 pretty great. There is the monster manual is isn't huge, but I think it has like maybe 20, 15 to twenty new creatures um, to kind of help you know. You know, give give yourself some variety and give yourself some directions on what to do. You can have a chipmunk, which is a huge beast. Um, things like that. <laughs> so uh, you should definitely check out Uh, Entomobia. uh awesome. Last but not least, uh, final final project here. We Good grief, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, this has been a long news section. But um, I'm going to give one more plug for uh, Captain Hartchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. Uh, it's live on Kickstarter right now you can go grab it uh, PDF is five bucks and I promise you're gonna find something that inspires you something that's gonna that you've never seen before something that um, you hate probably something that you feel strongly <laughs> against um, I'm going to we are going to inspire emotions um, uh, and and we would like you to pick up the product and then a few weeks later when it's delivered we want you to Send us a message. Hit us up on Facebook, and tell us about all the strong emotions that you feel towards these dragons, Um, because they're not your uh, garden variety. So, anyhow, Captain Hartchild's guide. Well, there's one that's a garden variety. There is one (laughs) that's fair enough. Uh, There's enough variety (laughs) that there's actually a garden variety. Um, Yeah, (laughs) cool. That's that. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and say there is a druid dragon. There is a mech dragon, there is a parrot dragon, there is a toad dragon um, that are shockingly dragon-like, even though they have all these other things tied to them. Uh, So, anyhow, check it out. I think that's it. Man, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, A lot of good stuff, though. So, let's turn our attention to our topic of the evening. This is our uh, main course that dms talking about a single topic that has came up at one of our tables and today we have a a bizarre one uh Catherine actually proposed it and i thought it was great um we have talked in the past especially with the uh stay-at-home orders and pandemics and things that have been placed over the last few months we've talked about uh keeping your players invested right uh you know ways to keep their attention when you're playing virtually. we talked about all that. Tonight, we're going to talk about the opposite end of the spectrum, which is also can be an increased problem in times where you don't have a lot to do, uh, but it's something that we have also seen pop up um, uh, just just in, uh, in our games throughout the years, and that is over investment. Um, John uh, I told I told no one I was gonna I wasn't gonna spring them on anything uh, tonight. But uh, you haven't been able to be with us here for a while, and we haven't heard your sultry tones coming through as often as we'd like. And, <laughs> sultry tones. Yeah. Hang on,
1: <clears throat> sultry tones. You say?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe not that sultry. Um, okay. <clears throat> say, what Sorry. the heck was that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's my, it's my, my did... the best Barry White I could come up with on a on short notice. <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
0: Why don't you take us through our discussion of overinvestment? And, you got uh, it. And we'll explore it together.
1: Yeah, so you know, you've got two different aspects of overinvestment. You've got the player side and you've got the DM side. So I think the first one that we really want to kind of cover is from a dungeon master's perspective where they have invested so much of themselves into the story or the story that they want to tell or that they want to be told that it becomes a detriment to play. Yeah. Uh, it makes it dif- difficult for the players to become invested, or uh, if it doesn't go the way that the dungeon master wants it to go, um, then it kind of it, it derails it for them, and it it takes the fun out of their hands, and it creates a very short-lived campaign as a result of it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, on the the first thing I think uh, is whenever the dungeon master takes it too seriously, they take the lore, the story. And, you know, Matt Colville's I – mean, we keep going back to the patron saint of Colville for stuff, but uh, – Speaking of the Great Possum. The Great Possum, right? Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, to, to his credit, though, he's he's spoken so, so, something like this before where the dungeon master has a story that they want to tell instead of it being collaborative or it being about the characters and then the players being the, the – uh, the central catalyst of the story mm-hmm. instead it's, it's the story that they want to come up with. So I've, I have actually, I've had something real similar to it, I think happen for myself where in my campaign setting, uh, I've told a story that, where well, we didn't have a conversation ahead of time about what flavor it was going to be or what, what kind of what path it was going to end up taking. And so instead of, pivoting back towards something that the players were more comfortable with. Um, there were, there were at least a couple of sessions where it got really dark and I think that it made the players not like overly, these are friends of mine to where uh, we were, we're safe with each other. I mean, they were, I didn't really, I didn't hurt any feelings or anything like that, but I definitely, I've had, I've run into it myself where, um, uh, the players weren't expecting it to go full blown Stephen King, uh, on them. And it did, um, and so uh, I don't know if any of you have had anything that's similar to that. If, you, if you've had one, but what I ended up doing though is I did end up pivoting uh, eventually towards a more heroic tale, as opposed to a, uh, a more Cthulian uh, social paranoia. Um, because I could see I could see the the the, the fun being siphoned from it uh, from the for, from them. Right? They were looking for more high adventure Conan type stuff, and I, and I gave them you know Cujo. You know, instead, so <laughs>
0: um,
1: I don't know. Have, have any of you, um, from a story perspective, have any of you dealt with had a play a dungeon master that was like that, or have had anything that was that was similar to uh, to to that, or uh, along a, a different path where yeah. you took it too far, or you were like locked in? This is the story, and this is the way that it has to be.
0: Yeah, I can remember, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure I've done it too. But I remember very vividly having a a DM. That had a story that they wanted to tell, and um, I I like this person, and there's nothing there's nothing against them as a as a as, a, as an individual, um, but I remember uh, uh, showing up to the table, and they have their uh, printed out five pages to read to us before we started each session. Oh no! That <laughs> that this story was going to unfold with. Um, you know lore background stuff that he felt like we needed to know to play the game Um, and so there was a good 20 to 40 minutes at the start of each session where our job was to show up sit down listen and then take that as a way of informing our play throughout the rest of the session
4: Uh, Mm. that's Uh, like a lecture hall that's a whole class period
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, that, that's, that's the one that jumps to my mind is like some, a DM who is over-invested. Um, uh, uh, there was definitely a time when both that would, that would be read. And then we were expected to continue the story as, as it was written on the page. Right. So, Oh, so here it is. Hmm. Now, now we're proceeding to where you guys come in and you are to hit these beats throughout this evening so that the story can be completely told um uh definitely uh definitely a moment of overinvestment
1: yeah i've i've i always worry that i don't know if it's overinvestment or just a fear of doing something similar to that feeling like i'm supposed to tell a story and it turns into pontification where it's like okay i have to be really descriptive I'm going to spend the next five minutes giving all of this exposition and talk, 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 talk. And then whenever the players are thoroughly exhausted by my diatribe, I say, now what do you do? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> There's an intimidation factor there too, right? right? Like I have prepared these these refined words uh, served to you on a silver platter of, of text. Now you spill forth... Uh, words of equal <laughs> quality here in the moment. And that right, can be intimidating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <And> it-
4: <laughs> I think if if I walked into a session and and that happened, I would just be really disappointed. Like, I'm all about doing whatever in the moment. Like, I play mods re- I run mods really loosely and mm-hmm. as loose as I can at cons. So like <laughs> As a player, if I sat down and that was, yeah, it would just be like, oh, oh, okay, I guess I won't do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Turns into underinvestment, right?
3: Yeah. Yep. I I've been I've been on both sides of the coin on on this. Uh, I, I tried to do a campaign and had some new players coming in that uh, had wanted to play at my table and hadn't had a chance to and i i think i overwhelmed them with you know okay uh, let's talk about your characters you know we can we can chat back and forth and figure out you know your backgrounds and stuff like that and on our session zero we're gonna go into another room and have like a little one-on-one for 10-15 minutes each kind of a thing and i I, I wasn't reading the players very well because other players had played with me before and they're used to that kind of thing. The new players were a little bit like, well, we, we just kind of want to play this fighter or, or whatever. And I intimidated them by how deep I wanted to go with their backstory. And instead of saying, yeah, hey, if that's all you want to do and you really don't, want to put that much effort into it cool it was well how about this and how about that and trying to steer and guide and everything else trying to get them as invested as the other players and yeah that was the wrong that was wrong on my part big time Hmm. um it was still fun but it did not last as long as what i had hoped it would uh when i was a part of that uh one of one of my dms from back in the day um He's passed on now, so this is not a slam on him in in any respect. You know, love you, Big J. Uh, He definitely was a storytelling DM. Any game system, any any campaign that he ran, he had a story that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a, for us, it was a double-edged sword because a lot of times it was his NPCs saving the day with us like standing along the sidelines just watching things happen Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. depending on which campaign it was um basically not telling us what the campaign was going to be and so we created characters thinking it's this and it turned into this and we all just you know get wiped Mm -hmm. out and it was Mm -hmm. it was just kind of well hey man you didn't you know you didn't play along with my story kind of a thing and on the one side, on the one hand, it, it sucked because, you know, we had no agency. But on the other on the other hand, his stories were just so good. A lot of times, you didn't mind sitting there for three hours just listening to him kind of tell you what your character was doing.
2: Mm. <laughs>
3: it, it, at some points. I mean, other times we would get really frustrated. But yeah, it, <laughs> I, I, I just wish almost instead of DMing, he would have poured a lot of effort into just writing these stories because they were a lot of fun to be a part of, as small of a part as we played in them.
0: It's really interesting. As we're talking here, I'm. it's becoming very clear to me that there's a there's a response to over-investing as a DM, and that is you're going to get under-investment from your players. Because that seems to be the, the the thing everybody's saying is, oh, when this happened, my players just kind of shrunk mm-hmm. or, or went quiet or were disappointed or whatever. Um, fascinating to me. I think that a big takeaway that I would pull from this discussion already is if I feel like my players are uninvested, check my how much I'm investing into it, right? Mm-hmm. Give that a read because it seems like maybe there's something to be said there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, it, and it depends on your players too, right? Like if you've got, I have, I have uh, guys that I've played with that they want a more beer and pretzels, yeah. or at least what they, what I've referred to as beer and pretzels play. We're going to be silly. We're going to have a good time. We don't really have to pay too much attention to the story or like all the like, little plot hooks and things like that. We're just here to, <clears throat> to kill monsters and to Hang out and, and and BS for most of the night. So if you if I go in as the DM and I've got this really elaborate tale and multiple timelines and I've got you know like all these other things, all the the complexity is here and it's all this drama and the political intrigue and then they go into it and they just want to do fart jokes all night long. Then it kind of <laughs> <it, laughs> they're not really they're not getting what they want out of it and I'm I'm not getting I'm I'm not getting the investment that I put into it. I'm not getting anything. No, there's no return on it. It's kind of like. Mm-hmm. It's not pearl before swine. It's just not, you're not giving them the what they were looking for in the first yeah. place. You know?
0: Beer and pretzels mm-hmm. is the uh, holy relic of D&D play, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it may be silly. It may have a lack of polish. But there's a reason that this hobby survives so long. And it's because beer and pretzels is a great way to spend an evening.
1: Yeah, just laugh. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to oh, be moral shit. ambiguity or <clears throat> like a t- tons of drama and paranoia and all this other stuff. It's just everybody sitting around, you know, having fun and you know, screwing around. Yeah, kind of like this podcast.
0: Yeah, kind of like Jeez. it. Kind of like it. <laughs> if we had to change our name right now, I would call it the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. Oh, baby! Yes. Yeah, so. good. Tell me about it. Which is also food theme, So, right?
4: Yeah. Maybe that's another like. Option. Hey. That's another offshoot right there. You're impressive. <laughs> it's just uh, John talking about Dragonlance. And Troy. It's a stream of consciousness.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, yes. All the things we try to steer away from. And Notice regularly. that I have
1: not said it. I'll just uh, I put that Cap- out into the ether. Right
0: high five.
1: Yeah, yes. way to go. Yes. Yeah, jerks.
3: Oh. <laughs> I'm not the one that said
1: it this time. No, <laughs> no, nope, nope, it wasn't. Catherine's fully invested in giving a John John a hard time. Now we know that, like if we've we've made it as a, as a team here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. well, okay,
1: so, so let me ask you this: Are there other instances of of DMs? Like, what what else would would you constitute as overinvestment from them? Is it like one one that I'm thinking about that comes to, to, to my to my mind is uh, you will be here at a certain time, you will be here a, on a certain date, and if you're not here. Boom! You're out. I don't. I don't need you here. Right? Um, scheduling is really difficult for adults, and so life gets in the way. We actually had something that came up at one of my tables, not too far distant, where some family stuff came up for some of our players, and this was actually on the player side. Actually, the player was like, "I," you know, we had to cancel two out of the last thirty um, sessions, and so because we canceled those two, I'm I'm out. Uh, I, you know, I can't, I'm not putting my life on hold kind of thing, which was a bummer, but it, it is what it is. And it didn't hurt my feelings, but it's one of those things where there's like a, like we're going to play that this is the time that I have set aside in my life to play. And we, I will run games and you will, you will sit there and you will play the games and you will show up on time and you will, you know, X, Y, Z. That's one of those over-investitures, not necessarily in the story, but in the game itself. It's so, the game is so important to that person that they, it's it's almost it's oppressive to the other people. This the expectation is almost too much.
3: And I, under, yeah, yeah, I was going to say I, yes and no to the fact that, you know, I I would hope and my player if my players listen to this, they're going to laugh. I would hope that, you know, the, the people can be on time, mm-hmm. but I also totally understand life gets in the way. So it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, you you were five minutes late to the table. You are banned, you know, because mm. Troy runs on Troy time. <laughs> much much like Wizards and Gandalf. Troy Troy arrives precisely <laughs> when Troy intends to. But, uh, but yeah, it's not like a an earth shattering, you know, oh you have you have uh, you know insulted me by being by being late or you've cancelled. How dare you? It's like no. That's why I have multiple like little side campaigns or, or adventures ready to go in case a couple people can't run and we still want to do something. And it's like, okay, cool.
0: Yeah. That's the other thing that I would add to this particular issue is that I think that it matters whether you're playing for friends and you're really just going to hang out or if you're showing up to an event or to, Mm -hmm. or you're, or you're Mm -hmm. being paid to run Mm -hmm. or um, this is a group of people that you're not super familiar with for some other reason. Um, I I feel like the overinvestment on the DM side comes when when your players are there to have a good time and you should be too, mm-hmm. and instead mm-hmm. you're making it an obligation. Um, mm-hmm. There are certainly times, there are certainly games where where good time is to be had, but you know when when six people paid money to be here and you're ten minutes late and stumble in with your beer and pretzels. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hmm um
0: <laughs> that's not a that's not a, you know I, I will give the dm some leeway there to be a little bit of a butt at that point yeah mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. most of the time that's not the case there's there's still plenty more games played amongst friends than there are paid games at this point
1: yeah. well and to be clear for my stance on it i i think i agree with pretty much everything that's been said thus far is that yeah. you know if if people are paying for you to run a game then it then it's not about being friendly. It's about being professional. It's about showing up on time, doing your quote unquote job, even if that job is to entertain others. Um, and then, even if it's just friendly, you know, don't be a flake. Uh, have a good reason for it. Don't do it repetitively, uh, because yeah, people have carved out parts of their day. To, to play and to spend time with you and to tell a story with you. And if you don't show up on a regular basis, then it's a bummer and it throws everything into a tailspin sometimes. So as a DM, you have to be able to, you have to be flexible and you have to be able to, you know, roll with the punches sometimes when it comes to that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I agree with that completely.
0: I know we have an, an advice or uh, how to handle this section, maybe coming up at the end yep. here, but I would throw out that the best way that you can subvert this issue is to have a consistent game Mm -hmm. if you as a dm are one who uh all your players showing up every time is a big deal and you get frustrated when player b never uh, you know only shows up half the time well the easiest way to make sure that player b has everything going for them is that you run a game that's consistent every other week we're running on wednesdays right or however it is um, if your game is such that you're bouncing all over the place or you're trying to you know once one game wraps up you're like oh when's the next day that we can play right? That's a hard thing for some people to work yeah. with when mm-hmm. when that's the ask so I found that I ran games for years that were that way. Oh we're going to try to run once a month. Well mm-hmm. that's really hard for some people to, to work into a schedule when they don't know and when it's random um, and mm-hmm. as soon as I shifted to a to a standard thing people still miss and that's fine but it it happens fewer and farther between this point mm-hmm. yeah and yeah.
4: the nice thing on the dm side is that if somebody is missing consistently you can always work in a narrative reason for why they're only there some of the time and you don't have to you don't even necessarily have to spend as much time catching them up because their characters weren't there for past events either yeah right
1: so exactly. that's helpful yeah. so let me okay. ask you this: so we kind of touched base on the dm side of this I think it's it behooves us to talk about the players and for their their overinvestment. And I, th- I know that Catherine has got some some good tales to tell uh, when it comes to this. So I think uh, Catherine, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hand the ball over to you and kind of give me what are some in, some instances of a player going being overly invested. What would constitute overinvestiture, and and what does that look like? at some of the stuff you run or played in.
4: So. Um... I have. I'm going to talk about the um, the one that has been the most prevalent form, um, of overinvestment. And you wouldn't necessarily maybe label it as overinvestment at first, but um, so it's it's a specific aspect of, um, I don't I don't actually know whether it is character bleed, or whether it is campaign fixation. It might be a little bit of both. Um, but uh there is a really weird theme of um of when there's girl at the table. Um, I've noticed it doesn't happen nearly as much when I'm DMing mm-hmm. and I'm the only girl. Um, but when there's a girl at the table playing a, a girl PC, uh I'm going to say about 8 times out of 10, somebody's character is going to want to start up a relationship with the female PC. Um, and a lot of times, there won't be discussion with the with the female player. Um, it'll just be all of a sudden, this guy's PC is coming onto my PC, and like, just because we're playing each other's PCs doesn't mean it's any less uncomfortable. Um I understand that this game is all about can be all about living out your fantasies, but um it gets real sketchy when you do that without considering what the other player's fantasies may or may not include. Um and you know, I've had it Like, the very first campaign that I played, the very first session that I played, I'll only use this one example of my personal experience. I have several. But, um, this one is, um, you know, sit down at the table, blah 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 blah, um, and we're just getting into introducing our characters. And it's a beer and pretzels kind of campaign, so when somebody's friend decided to, like, come in and be like, hey, I want to play too! They're like, okay, sure, come here. So, um, a portal opens up in the sky and this person falls through <laughs> and uh-huh. um and everybody kind of giggles and stuff and then this player the first thing that he says is all right so i get up and i look around and um i am immediately obsessed with tria which was my player's my character and i was like uh What (laughs) we? What are we doing right now? Um, (laughs) So, and then he spent the next few sessions like being jealous when other player, when other PCs and I were having like good conversation, or like you know we were teaching each other stuff, or you know he'd try to defend me more than anybody else in battle and stuff like that. And um, I definitely pin that as overinvestment because that's a lot of time and energy and thought put into something that is only in your head. It's only your story. It's your personal, um, series of events that you want to happen, whether I want it to happen or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's uncomfortable and it's, it really turns people off of the game. I've quit. I I didn't quit that campaign because we got it sorted out, but um, I have quit a campaign before because of weird stuff like that. And I know of um, girls who only play uh, like non-humanoid characters because of that. Um, I know girls hmm. who have stopped playing because of that. So yeah, so that's that's kind of a weird form of overinvestment but it's definitely definitely falls under that. Hmm. That that'd be my first one.
0: Yeah, that's a there's a lot of little you you said it at the beginning that character bleed or campaign fixation or all of that. Mm-hmm. Like it's several issues that could be tied in together or it could be one more so than the other. Um and it's not always the it's not always the romantic uh, aspect. Sometimes it's right. my character hates your character, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or oh, you're playing a half orc. My character hates a half orcs, or you know, right. thinks they're mm-hmm. savages. And so, anytime you want to have anything to do with this game, anytime your character speaks up, I'm gonna I'm gonna slap them down because mm-hmm. you should know your place. Mm-hmm. Whatever, like.
4: Mm-hmm. And, like, you haven't gone over that beforehand out of character. Like, right. That's that's the problem of it is when fantasy yes. kind of bleeds into real life play.
0: Yeah. And and, and what, what, what you're saying with going over it together ahead of time, really what that is is making sure that you're all on board with telling this story as opposed to uh, everybody else is off telling their story and you're here investing in, in something completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, well, I mean, I I think we – I won't speak for anyone else, but, you know, whether it's the romance side or other sides, I've definitely seen my share of that.
1: Well, And we we talked about this a little bit before the, the podcast started, but one of the ones that I, I brought up that kind of dovetails with what Catherine's talking about, I think, is – you call it character bleed, but it's also player character line blurring, right, where mm-hmm. it's yeah. like – Are this, is this person into me? And they're, this is their really awkward, weird way of like trying to, like, is this your character or is this you that's doing this thing now? Because I think, and Mm -hmm. Catherine, I'll let you speak to it yourself. But if if for me, just like, if I were to put myself in your shoes, what's so weird about it is like, if it's a story and it's a game, then that's all fine and good. But if, but what if this person is really interested in me and this is how bad they are at telling me that this is how they feel or they're using this, than you to do it and it's just it's it's i can see how awkward and uncomfortable it would be you know um
4: it's already difficult to try to discern which guys are safe to have intimate conversations with and which guys you've got to keep back with a 10-foot pole when you have to do that when you're sitting around a dnd table it's it's just so frustrating it's like i came here to get away from
2: mm, from that yeah
4: you know, yeah. I came here to be a badass and to kill shit and to help people. I didn't come here to try to figure out whether I have to deal with this guy flirting with me or not, and whether mm-hmm. this is going to lead anywhere awkward and, you know, compromise table, you know, camaraderie or not.
1: Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think from just like the, not from a, like a uh, relationship standpoint or like r- like some romantic or flirting or of of either side, male, female, or otherwise. Another thing that I think we talked about before that. I'd mentioned at least was whenever somebody's yelling at you in character, are they yelling at you in character or are they yelling (laughs) at you as themselves? And they're venting. Like they're all of their real world frustration is they're just using this as a way of channeling it. (laughs) And this is like this, this therapeutic way of them, like letting it all out, you know? And so what's hard about that is like, a, um, Bro, I'm not. I'm not here for you to yell at. (laughs) Like that's not the kind of game that I'm trying to play, right? So that to me as a player is like is a, it's incredibly confusing as the as being on the receiving end of that is like what what is you and what is not you, you know? And Mm -hmm. so that's I've I've been definitely been in those circumstances before, not only as a player but as a DM, where I've got some players that are very very invested. In, in playing and portraying their character, and their their play their characters quote unquote will fight one another or argue or whatever, and it's like, do I need to intervene at this point? Do I need to, like do, do we need to take five or do I need to say hang on a second? Are we who's who now? Like are are you Bob and 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 Jeb or like are are you you know Falco and you know franco or whatever it's right? so like who, who's who and what's what i've seen that happen probably more out of than anything that we've we've talked about thus far when it comes to investiture that's the thing that's mine that's the one where i see that as a dm and a player most often in uh in organized play in the public where people are very invested in their player their characters when they come up if they don't know one another i don't know them i don't know how like I'm figuring out how invested they are on the fly. It's like happening in real right. time. And when do I need to intervene for the sake of everybody that's there paying yeah. for their tickets and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Man, geez. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Side note.
4: Yeah. I'm sorry. Can no, I say no, a little yeah. tiny thing? Do
0: a side note.
4: Uh, side note. It's one of the – that's one of the nice things about chat-based is because you can be yelling at each other – like at the top of your lungs descriptively in the, the in character chat and then you can be like, Oh my gosh, are you okay in the out of character chat? And the other mm-hmm. person can be like, No, this is great. I love the drama. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you can be crystal clear about it. But like at the mm-hmm. table, it's like it takes I'm I'm guessing it takes like a little bit of build up of of trust first. Yeah.
3: Oh you definitely trust, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. what about uh what about X cards? Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah. So. You know, because you have X card, then you have maybe like an O on the other side. It says, "Yeah, I might, I might look like I'm upset. I might look like I'm mad, but I'm actually just role playing, and I'm cool with everything that's going on." You know that
2: mm-hmm.
3: that would definitely For help. Sure.
2: <clears throat> For sure,
1: Zach, you sounded like you were gonna. You had well yeah. two two coppers to put into the into oh, the sure, kitty. Sure, I'll I'll put in two coppers. <laughs> um, so
0: one of the things that I really like to do that kind of helps combat this and and because a lot of times what i find is a lot of this comes from uh an alpha personality at the table right Mm. a lot of the whether it's the yelling or it's the flirting or it's whatever it typically comes from someone at the table who feels very comfortable playing up something like this um and kind of saying what they what they want to say in character or or what they want to have the character do. One of the things that I like to do, and I, I do this whether or not someone's being a weirdo or not, is um, I like to put the alpha characters, the alpha players, in very uncomfortable situations.
1: <laughs> not like
0: inappropriately so typically, but like I want them to squirm a little bit in their seats during my game because the likelihood right. of them... Uh, I feel like they probably get enough of the other side of things at other tables, and so it behooves me to be the person who makes them go like, uh, that's not something I deal with. Um, And one of the things (laughs) that I like doing is I like playing, now, uh, very loosely and very softly, and I test the waters, but I like playing the weird, like, monstrous creature that is infatuated with your character. Um. Mm. Not to the shy person who's sitting in the corner or to whoever, but, but to the boisterous dude across the table uh, <laughs> who has an opinion about everything. It it becomes mm-hmm. very hard to continue that opinion about everything when uh, there's a, um, a troll princess giving you the eye throughout the adventure.
4: How does it feel? <laughs> yeah. How yeah. does it feel? They now? don't all deserve that, certainly.
0: <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't do it because they deserve it. I do it because I think that, the uh, they can handle it and they probably don't experience it very often. Um, so that's one. That that's... that would be one note that I had there. Um, the other thing that's that I was thinking think. of, John, that probably was thinking of earlier, um, is tied to the personal story or the background, mm-hmm. of the player character. Um, mm-hmm. this is something that I is is both the the blessing and the curse, right? When you show up to session mm-hmm. zero and all of your players come to you with backstories ranging anywhere from two to 15 pages, you know, and they're like, mm-hmm. this is the character that I love. Um, here, do something with this. And, and now you as a DM have a collective 40 to 60 pages of, <laughs> of <laughs> backstories to sort through. And I think, you know, on one hand, as a dm i'm always like it's really great that players are investing like you you always are excited about that and that they're excited to bring something to the table on the flip side i hope you're not so invested as to have an expectation that every detail that you put in this document this dossier is going to be brought to life at the table in front of god and everyone right that's a good point Mm -hmm. um That's the, if I was to name an investment that I, an overinvestment that I see a lot, John, if you name mine, it -hmm. would be the, the megalithic backstory. And that one's great. As long as you accept the fact that I cannot put it all in. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Or Mm -hmm. those characters, those players that come to the table and have their character planned out. Yes. Going forward. Yep.
1: Right. This is his, oh, w- this is their timeline. This yeah. is how yep. they're going to progress.
3: I want this to oh, happen. No. I want this to happen like at fifth level. Yep. Wait, yeah. What?
0: Yep. I've had that. Yep, Yep. Yep.
3: yep. We had those too. Oh wow. And, yep. and it's like you know I, I, I appreciate that to an extent, but uh, you know that takes away some of my creativity and and stuff. I want to, you know, if a, if a player has ideas, it, uh, here, here's a great example. Um, and it comes from something we talked about on one of our previous ones a little bit. And it was uh, uh, the exploring, or er, Eberron is my yeah. setting of choice. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about Eberron, they have these things called dragon marks. They're like magic tattoos that like just yeah. appear on your body for certain races. And there is a dragon mark called the aberrant dragon mark. And it's kind of a twisted version of, of of those magic tattoos. And I was listening to a podcast where the creator, uh, Keith Baker, had even said, he, you know, an aberrant dragon mark to him really isn't necessarily something that a player should plan for because mm-hmm. they just kind of pop up, you know. And they definitely and, – and to to make it more realistic, air quotes – It has to be something that they're not, you know, scripting out. It's like, oh, I want an aberrant dragon mark. I want to get it at, at, you know, eighth level, and I want it to be this.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I want it right above my left asterisk.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, (laughs) tramp no, yeah, tramp stamp. To me, that's something that, you know, you could say, hey, if my character were to get an aberrant dragon mark, I wouldn't be mad. Okay, cool. Now I know that you're open to that kind of a thing. I can come up with a with a dragon mark. I can I can come up with when it happens and, and why it happens and have a whole story behind it that's in the game and it is a surprise,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is always better.
3: Yeah, and always you know, better. and I'm not and I'm not faulting the you know the player that came to me with that because he was very receptive when I said, well, that's cool. But I get to I get to have some control of that, mm-hmm. and when I explain to him why, he's like, "Oh, okay, that oh, I understand. That's cool.
4: Oh, yeah, nice, good for him." So the, yeah,
3: cause, and I was worried because it's like that's you're you're planning out the future of your character. What happens if your character dies next session and you never get to that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now
3: that's mm-hmm. something else that you're bummed about, you know.
0: I have a player in my game currently that I like a lot. Um this player has determined exactly how each one of his characters should die. Huh. And it's pretty awesome um, because anytime we get into a combat that is not going a great way, he gets very worried that his character is going to die in a way that he did not imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I really want my character to die like this. I really want them to to end in this way. Um, if they do die, this is how I want it to happen. I, and I'm like, oh boy, oh, you sweet summer child. Um, it will never happen that way. It will never so, be when you expect it to happen.
3: So what you should do is set up a combat that is exactly like how he describes it. and Put him in that. Oh shit, I'm going to die today. <laughs>
4: and then let him live
1: (laughs) it is a good
0: day
3: to
2: die
0: you missed your chance bro you missed your chance that was fate offering you the the step off the boat and you uh, i offered you
3: (laughs) your beautiful death and you denied me (laughs) now you will die as the dice determine
0: yes
2: exactly
4: so so, um on a so that so that i'm not just so that the romance thing is the not the only thing that i talk about um (laughs) um and I would probably kind of branch off a little bit, um with the whole um oh shoot, I totally forgot what I was gonna say. I'm very sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> <babe>. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. Um, yeah, no problem. Oh, so it was back to the whole Sweet. um character bleed um aspect where um you know that's I have I I have kind of a lot of experience with having character bleed, <laughs> um, you know, and admitting my faults here. Um, I and and part of it was uh, on the campaign that it happened the most. Uh, it was the only thing that I was doing besides working and sleeping, mm. um, and that was. You know, at first I was like, oh, this is awesome, but, like, it's just throwing it out there. It's a really bad idea to only have D&D as your one D&D campaign, as your social life, every form of entertainment, all your spare time, all your creativity, just in this one D&D campaign, and then you work and you sleep and that's that's all that you do. You're going to have a big problem with, like, fixating on the campaign. like and and having it become this thing that is way too important hmm. um i kind of I, I messed up a couple friendships due to actions in the game hmm. um and i know now <laughs> that we all parties involved, like there were just there was just a difference in expectation, and nobody even knew that it was something that needed to be discussed beforehand. it's It wasn't like negligence or anything. It was just like you know, these people came in from this perspective and they wanted to play the game like this these people came in from this perspective and wanted to play the game like that. And when it goes unaddressed for too long, um, it turns into a really, um, uh, (laughs) difficult terrain. Mm. Um, and especially in my case, because again, I was literally doing nothing else with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say a huge, huge part of uh, the biggest counter to character bleed is to be more than one character. Um, And then those characters become less and less central in your life and your creativity. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And, you know, you get different play styles, you get different campaigns, you get different sets of people. Um, And then, you know, you realize, oh, well, what happened over there literally doesn't matter at all over here. And then you can you can kind of squish that easier until it's natural for you to be like, oh, this is just a game. Mm-hmm. hmm Um, so so I guess if anybody needed to know how, you know, if they're like if you're like, I love D D, but like I, I get over invested in my character and their personal story or the story of the game to the point where I upset real friendships, then like, you know, all you gotta do, if you can't bring yourself to play less D D at first, just play different D D. Mm-hmm. And then just gradually back off like that. And and then you're good.
3: <laughs> good call. That makes sense. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Hmm. A bit well of a story there. Tangent.
0: I feel like we have thoroughly uh, started <laughs> this conversation mm-hmm. as is usual. Um, but uh, we, we've covered a, a lot of ground at least. And uh, I like where this discussion ended up. I think we talked about some ways to combat these along the way. Um, I think the main things that we can say there, as we're kind of drawing this to a close, is that um, you can combat this overinvestment, both as a DM and as a player, um, by setting expectations. From the Mm -hmm. get-go, that typically would happen in the session zero, but it might happen just early on in the game as you guys get used to each other and get used to how the thing's going to go. Having that understanding of what is to be expected is helpful, Uh, DMs. If uh, if you don't want your players to give you a five-page backstory, tell them that you don't want a five-page backstory. Um, That Mm -hmm. as a as a small example, right? That communication, having conversations is a big part of uh, making sure that that this yeah. over-investment doesn't turn into something that becomes a huge frustration later. Yeah, So uh-huh, tell right.
4: beforehand, talk about themes, talk about X cards.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever tools you want to use, whatever agreements you want to make, um, be flexible. Uh, that's the other big thing, right? As both the mm-hmm. DM and a player recognize that you're playing with you know, between typically between four and six other people. Um, And each one of those people has an opinion on how the game should be played. And so uh, almost guaranteed your way of doing things isn't going to reign supreme and your story isn't going to reign supreme.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. so, And and don't be afraid to revisit that session zero.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have conversations Mm -hmm. with semi-regularity in my groups about how things are going. Do you want to do something different? Okay, we ended something. Do you want to keep doing something like that or do you want to do something else? Those are great things to talk about. Um, And then that kind of ties into what Catherine just said a minute ago, which is uh, another great thing to do is to take a break. Um, Step away from the situation or step away from the game or step away from the person, whatever needs to be done there. And most of the time what you'll find is that what you really wanted out of that game was to hang out with people um Mm -hmm. and the story was secondary and if you find that your story is primary guess what uh just like uh troy was saying earlier uh you probably could write a pretty great book um yeah that's probably where your talents need to be devoted at that point Mm -hmm. Um, so anyhow i think uh with that all being said I i think we're good i think we're good for one more week um i think so if uh, if you like our content, we would love for you to like us on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you're going to find uh, each new podcast uh, announced. That's where you see all the Kickstarters announced, anything that we find pertinent, the, the cons that we're running or taking part in. Um, all of that information can be found on the Bite Size Gaming social media. And we'd love to have conversations with you and uh, and get to know you better on either of those platforms. Um, So, I guess, in this off, I want to thank uh, John and Troy Catherine for hanging out again. Thanks to our listeners for hanging with us. And uh, until next week, we'll see you later.
1: Good gaming, everybody. Stay safe out there.
2: Take care.